podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Philip Slavin. I know we are a day late uh, getting this out. This interview was worth it. Uh, we had to do some scheduling, get things get things set up. Uh, but I'm very, very excited for what you're going to have today. Former Iowa State running back, Iowa State great, Iowa State legend, Blaze Bryant joining us on the show today. Very excited to have this guest. Very excited for this interview. I think you guys are going to like it, whether you're an Iowa State fan or not. Uh, really enjoy the opportunity to talk with players from back in the day, which sounds, I don't mean that bad, but you know. Look, an opportunity to talk to former players and, and talk about how things were then, their view on things now, it, it's a great opportunity. So Blaze Bryant coming up here in a few minutes. We've got a few pieces of house cleaning uh, to take care of. Uh, starting off with, we all know what was going on with Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike Gundy, his players coming out uh, upset with Mike Gundy and about the state of the program at Oklahoma State. Athletic Director Mike Holder releasing a statement on Thursday. Quote, we have spent the past couple of weeks reviewing our program and talking with current and former players. Our internal review found that Coach Gundy needs to invest more time in building stronger relationships with his student-athletes. However, review has uncovered no signs or indication of racism. After meeting with Coach Gundy, I am confident that he listened to his student-athletes. I believe he was genuine in his commitment to strengthening relationships with his players. I believe this to be a win for everyone. Looking forward to seeing the impact this will have on our team. It's a nice quote. Uh, it's a nice statement to make for Gundy. It sounds like a nice statement of confidence. We still have to see it. It's a nice statement. I still think this is more about relationships and about a guy who is disconnected from... A guy who has a ton of money and a ton of power who's disconnected from those who don't more than a guy who was racist. And I, I know the quote that came in the Colorado game when he was in college. I understand that. If it happened, he needs to apologize. If it didn't happen, he probably should apologize anyways. This is not over. It's not over for the program. He's got to show that things are better. The players in the program have to be able to voice that things are better or it won't matter. Um, so that is big. Obviously, if you heard our interview with Riley Gates 
earlier this week, talked about what's going on at Kansas State. Players on the football team sitting out, not not practicing, not participating, until a, a certain student who posted an offensive tweet was kicked off of campus. That is not going to happen. Not surprising, as Riley and I said, that didn't seem like a very a very likely outcome. But Kansas State has released a statement as well. And it's been enough that the Kansas State football team has announced that they are ending their protest that coming on Thursday night as well. Members of the university have come out against the tweet, calling it disgusting. Uh, Kansas State made an announcement on Wednesday of a new diversity inclusion plan, um, and the, the players have decided that that has been enough. Skylar Thompson tweeting that out on, on Thursday. The kid was never going to get looted, despite what he did. But Kansas State is looking to do the right thing. Uh, Kansas State Athletic Director uh, read and, pre- and announced in a prepared statement, now is the time uh, for us to build upon the diversity inclusion program that we launched two years ago and make bigger strides in the areas of racial injustice and racism. Uh, the diversity plan includes launching the Diversity Inclusion Fund, which allows Kansas, State, Kansas Staters, as they want to put it, to directly support department-wide initiatives that actively seek inclusion and diverse community through educational programming and support of all student-athletes, coaches, and staff, student-athlete involvement on ad hoc board with SGA and administration on student code of conduct, uh, mandatory diversity inclusion training for student-athletes, coaches, and staff, and holding monthly diversity inclusion town hall sessions with student-athletes, uh, the university to continue to be diligent in efforts to recruit a broad set of applicants for department staff and coaching positions, including using department personnel and national resources to create diverse hiring pools, utilize home games in all sports to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Love that one. Create more opportunities for all sports to foster relationships and communication between all student athletes and coaches. Find new ways to showcase Black, showcase black History Month and highlight black student athletes to the department's communication channels. Uh, and some other things as well. You can find those online. So we're seeing positive strides for both Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Love seeing these things. This is the, this is the direction things are going. This is the direction things should be going. Either hop on the train or be prepared to get run over by it. Sorry. Time to fix some things that have been wrong. Uh, one note of house cleaning. We should have an episode on Monday. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, my wife, who is due with our second child, as we, I have been told by our, uh, our OBGYN, our doctor, this kid's coming. She could be here at any day. Uh, when that happens, there will be a hiatus on the show, probably for about two weeks. That could come this weekend. Most likely that's going to come next week. So uh, there's a pretty good chance we'll have an episode on Monday, but the break is coming. When the break comes, that doesn't mean that there's not ways that you can't still get some 1012 stuff. Uh, obviously, we will be on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. We will continue to share articles, uh, tweet out. Um, probably have some sound and audio bites there just from things that we gather. Uh, also important, follow us on Instagram. That's 1012pod, T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. Uh, the goal is to have one Instagram live a week at least from now on. Uh, try and keep that to five minutes or less. Had another one this week with Brian Ralph talking about uh, TCU guard Desmond Bain and his rise up the NBA draft boards. So if you have not yet, go follow us on Instagram and check that out for yourself. Like I said, we'll try and have an Instagram Live each week. I've got one more soundbite from uh, from our renaming rivalries that Andy Mitz got to me involving Texas Tech and Baylor. I'm going to have that one up on Friday. Uh, if you uh, if you can check out our Instagram, we'll have that there. I might put it out on Twitter as well. I want you guys to follow us on Instagram. I'm trying to make sure that it's worth going and following. I'm trying to make sure we have exclusive stuff there so it's worth checking out. So 
Go give us a follow. I would appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter. Leave us a five-star review. However you get your podcast, leave us a rating. We would really appreciate it. It's going to help the show out. We've got a lot of fun stuff uh, on the way as we head into football season. We are going to be participating in Big 12 Media Days, virtual Big 12 Media Days, as I've mentioned, obviously, that uh, we have submitted. I have submitted my Big 12 preseason poll, offense and defense. We will break that down at some point here in the near future, maybe before Media Days, probably after. It's a lot of fun. I'm very excited to talk about it. So all of this aside, Blaze Bryant, this is a fantastic interview. I'm so excited for you to hear it. I think you guys are as well. I'll stop rambling and let's get to it. Real pleasure today to be joined by an Iowa State legend. I think that's a, at least the best I can do to describe him at this point. Blaze Bryant, former Iowa State running back, joining us on the show today. Blaze, welcome to the Ten Twelve, man. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. This is this is a pleasure for me. Um, I'll say our our now mutual friend Rustang was the one who kind of set this up, so I, I owe him a a beer or a, a dinner or something because this is uh, this is really exciting for me. I'm, I'm pumped for this. <laughs> are you in texas too uh no i actually live in arkansas at this point so i'm going to figure something out all right all right i'll so, say with bill uh, clinton <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think he's somewhere around here i don't i don't know where but i, I assume i doubt he's here but come on <laughs> once you get out of arkansas you don't you don't you don't come back um <laughs> So uh, before we dig into your time at Iowa State, you're uh, you're living in California now, as and it's not it, you're not a realtor, right? You explain explain what you do for everybody. I am a mortgage broker and a real estate broker. So I do okay. well, I do everything now. I do commercial real estate, um, residential real estate, and my bread and butter is residential loans and commercial loans. Very nice. Um, and you were from California originally before you ended up at Iowa State, correct? Yes, born and raised. Okay. Very nice, very nice. So walk me through how a guy from California ends up in Ames, Iowa. <laughs> ah, God. Um, I guess I could say I was a late bloomer so to speak, you know, uh, I was coming from LA and, uh, I I didn't play any organized sports at all. And, uh, when my parents moved out of Culver city, um, we moved to Redondo beach and about the middle of the third grade. And I started surfing and and riding skateboards and bmx bikes and i was more into that kind of stuff than i was into the ball and um my uh my dad got a job at long beach state and he wanted to be closer to his job so we moved to orange county and moved to cyprus and i was a little too far from the beach and it seemed like everyone there, all they did was play sports. So I started playing in the eighth grade. And uh, then by the 10th grade, uh, I started getting a couple of looks. And um, everybody was kind of, you know, 
How are your grades? Well, that's good. You know, I get A's and B's. And they were like, really? I was like, yeah, you know. And um, they go, you got a counselor? I go, yeah, my track coach. So uh, we go talk to him. And he said, Blaze says he gets A's and B's. And he said, well, he does. But he's in remedial classes. So <laughs> from that point on, I had to go to, like, community college at night and just try to lift it up. And uh, so I finally got to where I was supposed to be, where I should have been, you know. And uh, then uh, no one really big came calling out of high school. And I signed out of high school with the University of Hawaii. And um, I couldn't score high enough on the SAT after all that work. So it was either go there and sit out a year, which that wouldn't have worked, I'd have quit. <laughs> or go to community college or go to the Air Force. <laughs> so I decided to go to community college and uh, had some really good years there. And uh, I thought, you know, it was the numbers that I put up in community college that I would get more offers than I actually received, and especially, you know, offers from my local schools, but mm -hmm. nothing, you know, and I mean local schools, I don't want to, you know, Cal State Fulton, they did offer me, and um, Long Beach State, you know, but I'm not like UCLA or SC or Cal, you know, I, I couldn't have got into Stanford, but, you know, but uh, none of them offered me, so that's, that's pretty much, you know, I was getting offers from Oregon State, of course, Hawaii again, you know, Iowa State, you know, Ole Miss came knocking, you know, UNLV, Fresno State, you know, but uh, so then it just kind of came down to who doesn't have a returning starting running back? Because, you know, I got three years to play too. And uh, my junior college coach was like, Blaze, I'm not saying you can't play at Miami, but there's only one ball. <laughs> So I did, I, just, <laughs> I took his advice and uh, I went to Iowa State and, um, you know, I had, I had a good recruiter too, though. He was, he was on me heavily. So uh, I think old Robin Rush deserves a little credit for it as well. Okay. Okay. So it ends up at Iowa State where you had, I mean, honestly, a, an incredible career. I know that your, your second season was kind of cut short somewhat due to injury yeah uh but that that first year you had there uh 1989 and you put up some stats i mean 1500 yeah. yards 19 touchdowns 299 carries that is that is impressive kind of tell me walk me through that that year there what what do you think went well and, and did you have any regrets from that season even though it was so successful yeah, I think we could have won, you know, two more games out of it and went to a bowl game. But uh, but no, I had, an, I had an outstanding offensive line. You know, I had a great quarterback. You know, I had great wide receivers tight end. We had a complete offense. And, um, you know, it wasn't just me. I, I think I took a lot of the hype and publicity on, on the whole thing. But, I mean, I think our team as a whole was, was really good. 
is why I think we could have definitely, instead of going six and five, I think we could have went, you know, at least eight wins or maybe even nine wins. I mean, we should have beat Oklahoma. And, you know, they beat us on that kickoff return with time remaining. We tried to squib kick it, and they caught it and ran it back. Ugh. Hmm. I know, you know, and I think we should have beat Minnesota, and and we had Iowa and, and laid an egg in the second half. <laughs> we had them 21 nothing and lost 24 to 21. So, I mean, there was games that we were in that we could have won, and we didn't, we didn't win. I think the only team that really just blew us out, but they won the national championship, was Colorado. I said Nebraska was if I'm looking at the score, it's forty nine seventeen. I don't I don't want to bring up like like sore subjects, but it looks like Nebraska had themselves a game as well. Yeah, and they and that Oklahoma game. Yeah, and that Oklahoma game. You know, but I mean, God, Colorado just they 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 just took us back to the shed. I mean, they had us. Fifty points at halftime, and now look at him. <laughs> I know. What <laughs> happened to the mighty Colorado? Uh, times they change. Um, so yeah. that that first year, what are what were you know? Obviously, you had some some close misses, but what would what would you think, or what game do you look back on from that season most positively? I have to say the Missouri game because they, they were putting it on us early too. And um, they had some horrible turf. It was like a sand base. And I was slipping all over the place. And I remember being really frustrated. And uh, a running back came over there. The running back coach came over to me and was yelling at me. And, and I was already irritated. And uh, I, I just can't cut on this turf. I'm slipping all over the place. And he looked at me and he said, you're right, Blaze. Let's go find some better turf so Blaze can run. <laughs> <laughs> and that just infuriated me more. I'm like, where's my goddamn helmet? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we went out there and then I, I started running. Just, just, I wasn't trying to cut. I was just trying to run. You know, I just forget the cut and let's just go old school with it. So eighty nine. I was I was going back through the stats, and again, you you had a heck of a year. 50, over fifteen hundred yards, five point one yards uh, average carry, nineteen touchdowns. You averaged ten yards of reception on, on twenty catches. And yet I'm going through the 1989 like Heisman voting, and somehow I don't even see your name on it. And let me let me just say is like I understand that the Heisman is I think I think it's it's pretty much a bit overrated, especially at, at this point on account of it's so regional. But I don't understand how a guy like you who puts up the statue due that year. Like they've got Penn State running back Blair Thomas with like thirteen hundred forty-one yards, five touchdowns, got four first-place votes. How does like how does something like that? And I know that you went into nineteen ninety as a as someone who people were talking about for the Heisman because yes. of the stats you put up. But it's it's crazy to me that you didn't even get like you weren't even top ten 
the year before when you had that amazing season. Like seeing like does that something that bothers you? Does that something that do you even care about that at this point? Does it is that something that irked you then or now? Uh, I mean, I thought you know, my senior year for playing about seven games and six and a half. <laughs> I thought I put up enough numbers that, you know, that could show that I could play. I just got hurt. And, um, but obviously I get that didn't matter. But I, I think, you know, back in those days, they put a lot of weight on the big market schools, you know, like the, the Notre Dames and the Nebraska's and Oklahoma's and like you're saying, the Penn States. You know, and and they would look to there more. And of course, I was younger then. I didn't really understand the the, the economics of it as I do now. But um, I think that, of course, had a lot to do with it. I mean, the TV wasn't as rampant then it is now, so it was, it was hard to see a guy. But if you look at uh, this day and age, you look at a guy at Pat Mahomes, who is a beast, who probably should have been the first pick in the draft, but he went to Texas Tech. <laughs> Therefore, he wasn't even a nominee for anything, but someone saw that the brother had some skills and, and you know, and he's still the first round draft pick. But you put him on a different team, now there's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you put him at an LSU or an Alabama or even Oklahoma, it's a whole other topic. Texas, you know, Notre Dame, it's a whole other thing, you know. But because he was at Texas Tech, his name wasn't even brought up. And, and he played, you know, he played his ass off at, at, at Texas Tech. You know, and, and it just, you know, I think it's kind of always going to be where, you know, they, they, they're going to want, and until you become a Miami where you come out of nowhere and you, you become on this grand state, you keep, you keep doing it continuously, then you can, be, can become a Miami or a Florida state. But... Until that happens, I think they're always going to go with what people know more than talent-based. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, it's not it's not Mahomes' fault that his defense sucked for every year he was the starter there in Texas Tech. Yet, you know, it's kind of held against him. And it was one of the things people kind of held against him coming into the draft of like, well, we don't know. Look at his record. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it's not his fault the defense literally couldn't stop anything. A like, runny nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so after uh after iowa state you did uh you got drafted by the jets yes uh but ended up in the canadian football league uh with the winnipeg winnipeg blue bombers and so what was I, i'm you know i don't know that most americans follow canadian football so I, I'm I'm really curious. Like, walk me through some of the biggest differences between, or, or the hardest things, especially to transition from playing American football to Canadian football. Who? I mean, at the time, God, big changes. Uh, three downs, you know, so you can't be like a workhorse running back. So I definitely. I mean, I always could catch, but you know, back in those days, they just didn't throw it to running back for some reason. Um, but I definitely had to become more of a receiver. Um, I definitely had to learn how to run better routes, you know, like a receiver. And um, 
I had to understand the, you know, the route trees and 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 and, and as we like to call them, rubs instead of picks <laughs> and things of like that. Where I, I never was involved in the passing game like that before, you know, and um, that that was a that was a, a little bit of an adjustment. But I mean, they just made me just work out with the wide receivers and then they just taught me everything real fast and I just figured it out. Um, but I mean, besides that, I think, uh, you know, there's no fair catch and, you know, you got to bring it out of the end zone every time and the, the ball's always live. But I think the main thing is you've got to be in shape. Like you can't go up there if you're not in shape, the field's too big and uh, the, the play clock is only 20 seconds in between plays. So, I mean, you got to get up and get back to the huddle. Uh, you don't have 45 seconds to walk around. And it starts as soon as you stand up. So, like, you know, sometimes when you're really, really tired, you got to lay down for a while, and then the ref will tell you, you know, 21, you got to get up. And then as soon as you stand <laughs> up, it, it starts going, you know. But I think those are the biggest things. A lot of guys, bigger guys from NFL, come to the CFL, and it's just too big, too much to, too much to move, and the, and the, and the play clock is too short. But besides that, a great game. See, that's so interesting because you know, you, I think most Americans kind of look at the CFL or hear about it. It's kind of like, haha, the Canadian Football League. Like it's, I don't think people, I don't, I didn't know all that. So I think most Americans just don't know enough about it. And their viewpoint is like, oh, it's oh, silly Canadians playing football. But it actually sounds like it's, it, it would be very difficult to transition. And not just because it's different, but because, I mean, that sounds fast. I mean, that almost sounds like college football now where everybody's trying to get the ball off as quickly as possible, which is so interesting. But man, back then that, that had to be a, a wild transition to try. Well, to make. And, and, and you're exactly right. Cause when I look at the NFL game and the college game now, it's exactly what we were doing then, you know, um, except, you know, one more player, it was 12 on 12. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the same thing, the motions and, you know, interchangeables and everything else. And uh, the, they call it the spread now. We didn't call it a spread, you know, but uh, we were basically doing the same thing they're doing now, except just, just looking for mismatches. I could be in the eye formation and then go in motion and if see if a linebacker goes with me. A lot of read option stuff. And, you know, he's like, look, Blaze, if the, if, if the linebacker goes with you, and he comes up on you man to man, he's either gonna tackle you or you're gonna beat him. And if if you go in motion and he backs off 10, 15 yards, just turn your shoulders, we'll throw it to you, beat him with the ball. I mean, it's basically this kind of like a read option with everything, you know? And, um, but I mean, great people, good time, much better. NFL sucks. I mean, it's, it sucks. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That place is fucking terrible. I mean, it is awful. It, it is just like hard knocks in 10,000 times worse. Like, I don't even know how they get away with treating people the way they treat people. I mean, any other work, it's like you cannot get away with that. And it's all money-based. I mean, if you're a first-round draft pick, you can hang around for a few years, even if you suck, because they invested all that money in you. And it was worse when I was coming in, because. That's when they would pay these first rounders all this money. 
and they could be a bust. You know, they could they could be a Ryan Lee. They could they could do stuff like that. But but no, I mean, I was just unfortunate, you know, that uh, I got hurt in, in college, and then you know I go to the Jets, and they drafted Blair Thomas the year before me, the second pick in the draft, and he hadn't done anything. So then they paid him all this money. They got to play him. You know, and, and then they paid him, I don't know, half a million dollars to work out this from the off season for three months. I mean it was it was madness, you know, but I don't know. It is it was terrible. It was it is exactly what they say, the no fun league. It's it's awful. I mean, they, they treat you like you would not believe that someone can treat somebody. I mean, for instance, you come in on Tuesday to get your check because you didn't have direct deposit then. Right. And uh, and when you're like me, you know, you're a little draft pick, you know, you need that check. So you go in and get your check on your day off. And uh, they got about 60 guys out there that were working out. 60. Every Tuesday. I mean, you are always looking over your shoulder. I don't care who you are. You know, you're always, hey, who's that? You know, I mean, it's just. It's, it was it was bad, you know, just bad. And then the verbal abuse they give you is even just worse, you know. I mean, like I, honestly, I don't know how they they they've gotten away with what they've gotten away with this law. Hmm. So okay, so let's stick with NFL for a minute. Then I'm I'm curious your thoughts on you know there's they they they're handing out some big deals to running backs, um, and that seemed to kind of. I, I would say from the standpoint of that, that didn't quite work out. It was great for the running backs, but from the team's perspective, it, it didn't quite work out. So now you're starting to see more running back by committee. Yeah. Teams aren't wanting to play and pay big contracts to running backs. Um, and you're seeing some running backs being upset about that. And they think that they want more money. So I'm really curious from your perspective as, as a running back, like uh, obviously you're going to take the player side, which I have no, I'm a, I don't necessarily disagree with. I'm just curious, like, where do you stand on this notion of, you shouldn't. You don't need to pay a running back. You should just get a whole bunch of them. Or how how should you handle these guys that are, I mean, absolute studs, guys you want, guys you know you can win with, but they just don't want to pay running backs right now. You gotta pay them. I mean, look at McCaffrey, who's a stud. Oh, uh, I think the Le'Veon Bell thing was the dumbest thing in the world because that dude could do it all. I mean, he's basically doing what I was doing in Canada. I mean, from a wide receiver standpoint to a running back standpoint, I mean, just he's he's insane what he can do, you know. And and there there's there's more that I can't come up with off the top of my head, um, but the game is just just changed to you know, quarterbacks and quarterbacks have to be extremely accurate. They they really in the NFL their their window is is. Is, is like that. And if you can't fit him in there, I mean, you can't play. And I think in college, your window's a lot larger. High school is really large, you know, but, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we watch so much film and everything else and, and tendencies and everything else that, you know, you, you for a quarterback, you know, you got to be able to, to put it on you and drop them in areas that most people can't, can't drop or even shoot a rifle like that. And you look at guys, you know, like I'm Aaron Rodgers is insane, you know, with where he can put the ball. And um, 
you know, Patrick Mahomes, another one again, can put the ball places that are just, it's insane, you know, but mm-hmm. then, you know, you have, you have other guys that are just incredible field generals and can put the ball in like, like Tom Brady, love him or hate him. I mean, he can put it where he wants to put it when he needs to put it there, you know, and, and, and I mean, I mean, that's why he's been standing for so long. You know, and, and there's a, it's just, it's just a quarterback wide receiver game now. They they want to throw it. Fans want to see them throw it, you know. And uh, they've, they've changed the rules around where it's it's more geared to the offense and not the defense. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, – and these athletes are just freaks right now. I mean – the the fat guy is gone. These guys are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, they're ripped to shreds. They're lean. So I mean, I mean, I mean, I love the game. I mean, I do really. Just you know, just you know, the way the NFL does things and treats people, and hey, just no one needs to be treated like that. You know, just no one. Yeah. So we'll talk about Iowa State a little bit more, um, specifically. Uh, Jack Trice Stadium. Now, it, it, it wasn't renamed uh, for Jack Trice until 97 after your time there. Uh, the statue was unveiled um, be- right before you got there. It was unveiled in 88, the year before, before you arrived to play there at Iowa State. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, this is the only collegiate stadium that is named after an African-American. Not just African-American athlete, but African-American, period. Um, how how important was it to you or, or how much did, what kind of impact did it have for you um, to see the stadium named after Jack Trice and, and, and what is his history? Like, how, how, how does that affect you? Like, how do you feel about it? Whoo, that's a tough one. Um, I did not know that it was the, only collegiate stadium uh, named after an African-American, you know? Uh, and I did not, I didn't pick the school because of that, didn't know that until I got there. And uh, and to this day, it's still the only school, you know, named after a brother, you know? And, uh, and that was all ironic, you know, it, it's, um, I'm thankful for it. And maybe, you know, there was some, uh, maybe there was a reason I was supposed to go there. I don't know, you know, but, uh, you know, I love Iowa state. I do. Um, like I'm saying, um, I try to go back as much as possible. I don't go back as much as I should, but whenever I do go back, you know I mean, they treat me like I scored a touchdown yesterday. You know, I ain't scored a touchdown in 35 years. <laughs> And they they treat me like I was I was out there yesterday running around. I mean, I, I love the people, love the school, love the stadium. You know, especially that what they've done to it now. They've completely remodeled the place. But um, you know, I'd definitely like to see some more stadiums. You know, I mean, in twenty twenty, you think there'd be at least one more, <laughs> at least one. But you know, I, I I would like to see a little bit of that change. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, how how much time have you been able to spend w- with the uh, with head coach Matt Campbell, and 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 what's what's your impression of him? 
I think he's great. I think a great motivator. He's hungry, great recruiter. Uh, I haven't spent much time with him. You know, I've, I saw him on the sidelines, but he was, you know, he was in business mode. So I didn't, you know, and uh, I think I met him walking out. And uh, that was about it. I was really pretty, I was pretty close with Coach Rhodes. I still keep in contact with him. Uh, he was at UCLA, now he's at Arizona. And um, I gave him a little video for my daughter to throw around for me. But uh, but no, I, th I think he's he's done a great job. I don't know how long he's going to last at Iowa State because it seems like every year someone's trying to come and get him. And uh, it might just take the right team, but I hope he never leaves and he builds Iowa State up to a great program. You know, I hear that every year that – I was listening to a podcast uh, today and they're talking about, Oh, you know, who knows how long I'll be there and who knows how long BJ Flack will be at Minnesota. And I keep hearing these things and I'm like, okay, in, in this day and age, and I think we still get stuck on this idea of, you know, 10 years ago, you had to go to a different school to get a pay rise. Yeah. Yeah. Or you had to go to the NFL to get a pay bump. Yeah. But now you look at guys outside of the pretty much in a, in a power five league especially if you're in the big 12 the sec yeah. the, the big 10 they've got tv money like you can get paid anywhere matt rule was making six million a year at baylor yes he okay. is so this this i know everyone just thinks that every guy goes to a school and can't wait to leave and go somewhere else but unless you're going to a program where you just know you are are almost almost guaranteed the opportunity to, to win the conference and make the playoff on a year in year in basis. So unless you're going to an Ohio state or an Oklahoma or a, a, a I mean, Alabama or some, or something of that nature. I, I, I just kind of wonder like how in a hurry do we really think some of these guys are to bolt out the door? Like, I don't want the USC job. Like who really wants the U like you're like, that doesn't, yeah. I don't, I think that we're so used to that happening that we still haven't caught up with the fact that I don't think guys leave power five jobs as much as they used to. Like, I, yes, it just happened with Mel Tucker leaving Colorado for Michigan state. Um, but if I think if we go back and look, and I need to go do the, the I need to go do the research. I, I, I intend to, I don't think we're seeing as many guys leave power five jobs for other power five jobs as we did the decade before. Now, I think we're just still kind of used to it. I, I'm not saying he's never going to leave. Like if you asked me, if you said he's going to be there for more or less than 10 years, I'd say I'd probably lean towards 10 years because eventually someone is going to have a job open up where it's just like, I can't say no. Yeah. But this idea that every year he's just going to bolt off for any other job, like I think he's pretty happy there. And I think it's underrated. I don't think we get enough credit to he's getting paid. He can get a pay that Iowa state will pay him more if they have to. Yeah. And there's a benefit to being, the top dog and a guy who is so beloved and praised and has the kind of power you have because of the success that you have had. Like, I just don't think we appreciate that enough sometimes, even in a place like Iowa state. Correct. 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 And I, I, I hopefully I'm with you. I want to stay there forever. I don't ever, I don't ever want to leave. <laughs> even when he does, I might tackle. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, God, some of the money they're throwing around. I mean, if you, I mean, look, look, look what Dabo did to, did to Clemson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were the bottom of the bottom, and he brought, raised them up to the top of the top. And he's getting damn near ten million a year. 
I mean, that that's that's a lot. Yeah. I, I just, mean, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my good friend Jamie, she she's an Iowa State friend, covers the show. She's a sometimes co-host here. Uh, I let her know you're coming on, so she shot me the question. Her question was um, today: Iowa State places a high priority on promoting the quote Cyclone family and places uh-huh. a lot of stock in their players being seen as more than just jerseys. Um, so she wants to know if, if was was that the vibe or the experience that you had in school, or is that something that's more of a of a newer thing? Definitely newer. I like I like what's going on right now. You know, I, I like the traditions that they're bringing in. Um, I definitely like the logos, the uniforms, and everything else better than when I played. Uh, I like the where the bus drops them off and they walk through all the students in the tailgate and all the way up. We just kind of pulled right in front of it and ran in. Uh, you know, I like the new facilities that, that they, they built. I like it all. And, um you know, I like how the players after the game go to the student section, you know, I mean, and sing. I mean, I like it, you know, and uh, I mean, I've always, I've always felt like, you know, Iowa State, we've always been a family. I think that even here in California, if something, you know, is going like Iowa versus Iowa State, man, I, I think, you know, some will come around where we'll all just gather at some sports bar and just go crazy, whether it's a basketball game or a football game or whatever. But I do think that, Definitely now. I mean, I, I think it started with Coach Rhodes and, you know, it, it's going forward with it. But I do like the the unity that uh, that I'm seeing with, with, with Iowa State fans, students, and alums. That's awesome. So I'm curious from your time when you were there. Um, I always love to get good behind the scene or practice stories or, or one thing that if let's, let's say you and, and, and your former teammates are getting together uh, to have a beer or just to, to shoot the shit and reminisce. What is a story or two that you guys, that you just know you guys are going to bring up and, and dog somebody about. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at worst comes to worst, we just cut it. <laughs> football related or just funny stuff uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh god it's typically you know off the record there's probably somebody sleeping with somebody that was really ugly you know <laughs> that's probably the first thing that comes up like you know do you still talk to you know or something like that um after that <laughs> i can't cut that i have to cut that. that's good <laughs> Uh, after that, it's kind of like, like the stupid stuff. Like, uh, I remember back then, like, you know, they, they, they couldn't feed you on Saturday and Sunday cause the cafeteria was closed. And so after the game, they would give us $10 to eat. So you would think like $10, right? Right. But the line was long. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the line was so long for this ten dollars. Just thought he'd be handing out four hundred dollars. And so, like, whenever like we get together, it was oh, you got your per diem with that ten dollars. So that, that's like a big running joke too. Like they used to give us ten bucks after the game. And I talk to guys now. Like one of my clients is Melvin Ingram. He plays for the Chargers. And he said his scholarship check at South Carolina was it was three thousand dollars a month. 
You know how much mine was? $356.78. I remember it like it was yesterday because I needed all that 78 cents too. I needed the whole thing. $3,000, I'd have been a king. You know? <laughs> oh my God. I've been living, so you thought I was a pimp. I've been out there, boy, living good. $3,000. Whoa, and my rent was like $200. So I had $156.78 left. Damn. So, okay, so let me ask. Um, you know, the, the name, image, and likeness stuff is such a big, big conversation in college football. And let me just say, I'm all for it. It's free market. Let it happen. I want to see, I, I love the idea of like, at certain colleges, like like Oklahoma State. I'm an Oklahoma State guy. Uh, you know whoever the top wrestler and the top golfer, especially when they're really good, yeah. is going to have some sort of name, image, and likeness deal. They're going to have something on their Instagram. Some local tractor company is going to have them at there sitting on a tractor trying to sell it to you. I, yeah. And I love it. I yeah. love the opportunity because everyone wants to talk about the quarterback. Yes, there's going to be a couple of football players who make lots of money. There'll be a lot of people who have lots of opportunities. There are lots of players who have an opportunity to make to make money. So I, I'm just curious from your standpoint as, as a guy who used to play and this issue is now something that people are trying to finally get going. Like where, what is your stance on it? I mean, I'm all for it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm all for it though. But I mean, you're, but you're basically talking about the power five though. I mean, you're not talking about the rest of them, which sucks. You know, you could be a UNLV going off. But I mean, they got nobody in the stands, or you know, half full. You're not, you're not getting the same revenue. And but I mean, that's that's true. But they're still going to have an opportunity. Like it, I always, the the best thing I think I've heard is like you get these guys. Let's say it's UNLV. Um, let's say they're the top running back is some guy from the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, yeah, some tiny town. Well, he's, you think he's not going to be able to go back and sign autographs for twenty five for making an appearance like in a birthday party? Like he's still going to like that guy's still going to make money. You can make money in your hometown because hometowns always love the guys that go off and and play and and be stars and studs and stuff like that. Have you been to a UNLV game? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the last time I went. To, I've even watched a UNLV game, and I watched like everything. I don't think I've watched UNLV in a long time. I mean, no, no offense to UNLV. I mean, God bless you. I love Vegas. But, um, I, I mean, you know, I mean, that's a tough one. You know, I, I'm just saying, like, if you get someone like, you know, Tim Tebow or Johnny Football or Cam Newton, you know, I mean, these people just stepped on the canvas and just rocked the whole world. I mean, yes, they should definitely get some money for all that. You know, and they were all, and they all won the Heisman. So, I mean, definitely. I mean, Johnny Football's name being thrown around everywhere. I mean, Tebow, you know, it was just, they didn't even know he had a first name was Tim. It was just Tebow. You know, <laughs> I mean, and same with Cam. They didn't even know his last name was Newton. It was just Cam, you know, and, and, he, and he went ballistic, you know. And, you know, that's bringing a whole lot of money to your school when you come out of nowhere like that and then six games go by and like cam he went undefeated the whole way on a team that won three games before and i remember by the sixth game the, the cam mania was going crazy you know and i think we all just love tebow because he, he was just the hardest toughest dude we just seen out there in the quarterback position that just would never quit i mean how you not like that you know and then johnny football 
Football was just great, just electric, just kicking, bucking, spinning, turning, jumping, throwing. It was awesome to watch. I mean, you couldn't help but like it. I mean, so, yeah, pay them. You know, I mean, if you can pay, uh, I think at the time that coach was making six and a half million dollars or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody's got to pay him. I mean, yeah, there's no way a, a coach can make that amount of money. And someone else is doing all the legwork. I mean, we can talk all we want about education, but you know, last I checked, Iowa State is still there, and I've been gone since '91. So I mean, you could always go back to college and get your degree. It's not going to go anywhere. Money will, you know. And stop the bullshit. This whole world's about money. We're a capitalist country. I mean, it's what it is. You know what I mean? I mean, everything is about money. I mean, you know, no matter what you do, it's about money. And so we try to act like it doesn't exist, but it does. It's what it's about. It's what keeps everything going. You know, that's why I keep getting these letters in the mail from Iowa State wanting me to give them some money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, yeah. Um, Okay, so you've got uh, you've got two daughters now. Uh, congrats! Thank you. Uh, and as as you mentioned before we started, you've got one of them who's being recruited to play volleyball. Uh, I'm really I'm really interested. Obviously, everyone follows football recruiting and and men's basketball recruiting, and that's such a high stakes and and let's call it a dirty business because that's basically what it is. But I'm I'm really curious. You know, we don't we don't talk about other sports from a recruiting standpoint. You know, what is what is it like going through the recruiting process? not just for a women's sport, but for like a volleyball, which is an Olympic sport you just don't think about very often. Is it, is it seem as, as intense? Is it just kind of a, does it seem just like a normal, simple thing? I'm just, I'm curious what it's like. You know, it's, 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 it's a little different because um, they want to uh, have like direct communication with, with, with kids. You know, and they kind of want to keep the parents out of it, which I think is a little weird. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Especially girls. I'm just saying, you know. No, and, no, I, I got, I got one daughter. I got another one on the way. So got... you know what I mean? So I mean, they want, they, they want to text, you know, your kid, and they want your kid's phone number and email address and Instagram accounts and all this stuff. And that's how they kind of go through their recruiting process. Um, I'm a little concerned about where the youth sports are going to go because they've basically taken a rec game and then if you were an elite player in rec you then you go to all-stars and then it's over but not anymore now they just take the cream of the crop and you play club ball. A lot of kids don't even play high school because they're playing travel baseball or they're playing travel soccer or they're playing travel basketball or they're doing travel track. And that's where the colleges are going to watch them. So they don't want to see me playing with guys that aren't at my talent level. They just want to put them all together and then see who rises. And I don't know what that's going to do to the high school game. 
because basically, you know, I mean, that's what we've been in with my daughter. Uh, she started off at softball and we started rec and then, you know, then we're playing rec and travel ball, you know, and then people that are getting out of rec early and just playing travel ball. And then, then you go, do you play travel ball and high school? So then we did that. And then we started playing volleyball, played high school, then played club. So now she's playing four sports. And that's a lot. Yeah. So she's, you know, just run all over the place because she's playing four sports year round where mm. When I played, you know, you played, you, you, when, it, when the game, when, when the season was over, I was over. I wasn't going to a, a club team. And I personally think that they're working these kids way too hard. And, uh, and at, at their age is way too hard. So, you know, like last summer, my daughter quit softball that she'd been playing since she was eight years old and was really, really good at it. But, you know, she started driving and, you know, Liking boys, you know how that goes, and um, you oh, know, yeah, don't, don't, don't want to talk about it. Not yeah, you don't want to talk about that. You know, yeah, you don't want to talk about. Like, it. I got seventeen months and and do any day. I don't want to. We're, I'm not close enough to that to want to deal with it. Woo wee! Well, well, hold on tight, buddy. <laughs> but it's it's I don't know. It, it's you know I watch it and and again, it's the money. Cause not all these kids really should be on the club, but if you're a couple short, yeah, you'll throw some in, you know, that probably shouldn't be there, but the money, you know, I mean, club volleyball, you know, $6,000, you know, I mean, <laughs> and that's not counting your travel and your hotels and you still gotta eat. You know what I mean? So at the end of the, at the end of the year, I mean, you're looking at 14, 15 grand. My parents didn't have that kind of money. I'm not saying that I do, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Come on, you're name dropping Melvin Gordon. I think you're doing all right. <laughs> Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Melvin Ingram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he still ain't bought anything yet. So if you're watching Melvin, I'm watching. But, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I met him out when he was in San Diego. Now they're over here in Orange County with me. But, uh, their facilities are up the street, but you know, uh, he came to look at a house that I was, I was renting. So I was, uh, it was a friend of mine. I was renting it out for and He came in San Diego to check it out. And then we kind of became friends since, but, uh, they're trying to get him to buy something. There you go. That's the job. It's, that's fine. You know, yeah. it's a little swapping money between friends. It's fine. You know? Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I love youth sports and I got, I've been in God since 2012 and, um, but it's crazy. It is damn near cold. I mean, it's, it's nuts. And again, it's all about. Yeah. So I'll wrap up on this as a guy who's got two daughters and I've got a 17 month old, like I said, and I've, my, my wife is literally going to just do the doctor's like, uh, whenever, like, could be tomorrow, could be <laughs> Tuesday. Um, but you're a give veteran me some... now. You can deliver it yourself. You already seen it once. You got it. <laughs> I, I'll I'll just cut the the cord again and then take it home. It's not, it's her, not it. 
My wife hears me say it. She's going to be mad. Her. Um, <laughs> all right. So I am curious as, 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 a, as a sage father who has been doing this for a while, what uh, one, one good piece of advice for me or for any other, any other new or young dad out there? Um, keep the door open. I mean, you can never talk enough and don't ever be afraid of the conversation. You know, to me, just keep the door open, the lines of communication open. Um, whether you agree with it or not, as long as they're telling it to you. <laughs> whether, I'd, you'd rather them telling it to you, whether you want to hear it or not. You know, you'd rather them tell it to you than you can, you know, digest it, you know, and and then regurgitate it. But, but um you know, a kid's going to be a kid, you know, he was going to do what he was going to do. And, and, you know, they always think that they're going to invent the wheel. They always think they're the first ones to do everything, you know, and we're just some old bastards that don't know what the hell's going on, you know. And I think, you know, you keep talking and, you know, kind of playing tricks on them. Um, they start thinking that, you know, you're psychic or something, you know, but, you know, with girls, you can't, you know, you can't intimidate them like a boy. So you definitely gotta be a little more crafty and smarter. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the main thing is just, you can never talk too much. And if they get, you know, 35, 40% of it, you're all right. But I mean, they're still gonna be a kid. So they're still gonna, you know, think they know it all. Cause you know, once they get around, you know, fifth, sixth grade, they think that they got it. <laughs> but that's just, that's just a kid being a kid. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good. I like, I like keep the door open. That's good. I like that. All right. Blaze, man, uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. You've been a joy to have on. I, I have, I have loved every minute of this. I cannot wait to do this again, uh, in the future. Uh, is there, are you on a social media platform? Is there a place you do stuff? Is there some place people can follow or check out the things that you do that you want to plug here? Yeah, I got Facebook and Instagram. Um, post a lot of stuff about my kids and little stuff about me going to Vegas or something like that. But uh, but basically, I mean, I, I love to snowboard and hang out at pools and go to Vegas. That's about it. You know? <laughs> All right, so next time I'm in Vegas, just keep an eye out. All right, got you it. come to Vegas, give me a call. I'll meet you there. It's, it's you know, right. it's, it, it's a thirty minute flight from here, so you know, and it's cheap. A little bit further from here. <laughs> so, well, plus you know, new kid on the way. Wife might not be too pumped about me running out to Vegas, but uh, again, Blaze, dude, this has been awesome. I really do appreciate you taking some time and, and talking with me today. This has been an absolute joy. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna I. I don't know what else to say than that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You have a great 4th of July. Podcast Network.